Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, This uh, next four weeks, as we head toward Christmas, we're going to be asking one question over and over. Who is Jesus? And like a child seeking the same answer, even though you've already given them the answer, uh, we'll be taking a look at at a couple of different members of Jesus' family. And I want you to consider that about 60 billion people have lived on earth in the course of history. And I I want you to think about how many of those you know about. Right? A couple here and there. A couple big ones, right? A couple of men and women who echo throughout history, whose contributions are known and remembered because they were recorded. And now I want to get a little bit more personal. You've got a family today. Uh, Maybe you're here uh, with them. Maybe you're here alone. What I want you to see and what I want you to think of is how far back can you go in your own family? I mean, mom and dad, got it, check. Grandma and grandpa, I mean, yeah. What about great-grandma? What about great-grandpa? I never met Otto Schuler, uh, a German that came over fleeing from war-torn Germany. He died when my dad was 14, never had the chance to see him. And, and going further back, I would have no idea unless my sister hadn't done the, the genealogy of our family as a senior project in high school. I mean, how, how, how much do we carry from generation to generation. Can you trace your lineage going back 28 generations? That's what Matthew does for us in his genealogy. The focus of our sermon series is the part of scripture that we skip over most often. I'm pretty sure that the gospel of Matthew for most of us starts in chapter 2 because those names are hard to pronounce. I practiced them, and I don't know if I pronounced them correctly, but I certainly made it sound like I practiced and pronounced them correctly. I mean, you'll have to ask them when we get to heaven, is that really your name? Because when we look at Jesus' family, when we look at his legacy and his history, it's going to tell us certain things about our Savior. And one of the first things that Matthew tells us in his genealogy is that this is a record of Jesus Christ. First name, last name. H in the middle when you're really upset. But no, like Christ is not his last name. Christ is a title. Christ is a pronouncement, it's a declaration, it's Matthew telling you and me just who this Jesus is. Because if Jesus was sitting here today, we would have called him Jesus Bar-Joseph. Jesus, the son of Joseph, it's how they identify. They didn't really have last names, they just had dads that they tacked a bar onto. Kind of like today. But we have this opportunity to study Jesus Christ, to study his history and his family and to see what it declares to us. Matthew's making a claim that this is the Messiah, a Hebrew word, uh, a Greek word meaning, sorry, Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, the Hebrew word, and it means anointed one. 
It's tough to get out. And there are 250 references in the Old Testament, 250 proclamations of who this Messiah would be, where he would come from, where he would be born, the people in his family. And Matthew's here saying in the very first verse of his gospel, this is Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And the very first person Matthew lists in the family line is that Jesus is the son of David, the king. David, the king. An Old Testament king, one of the most notable figures in the history of Israel. The king that the Jews would all look to as being the pinnacle, the top of the line. But what kind of king was David? Answering that question helps us answer the first question, who is Jesus? And, and in America, we don't really have a good appreciation for kings and queens, really. I mean, we watch the news occasionally, and we see, you know, Prince William and his wife, you know, Kate, and the kids... George and Charlotte, man, we've really got some good, right? And what's the brother's name? Henry, Harry, Harry, the redhead, right? And what's, um, what's, the, what's the, give me like three other members of the royal family. Carl, yeah. Charles, Charles yeah. Who is Charles married to? Yeah, right? Who's the mom? Who's the queen right now? Elizabeth? Who was her mom? Who watched the crown? Mary. How do you know this much about the royal family of England, which has no impact? We won the war. We don't have, we don't have to know this. Right? What do you got? What do you got? TMZ exists. Right? We need a TMZ for the Bible. And that's literally what Matthew gives us. Matthew's like, you want to know the deep history of Jesus Christ? Check out these 28 people. Because really, you look at the genealogy, you look at the people in here, some of them are bad. Some of them are, are worse. And when you look at David, what kind of king was David? Not an awesome one. David is, is a king who stole another man's wife who did not ask for her permission, who when found out that, that he had created a child with this woman, killed the husband. How is this guy the first one that Matthew lists in the history, the, the genealogy of Jesus? It doesn't make sense. I mean, usually to be king, you start out as a prince. Ask William. Thanks for telling me his name. Good assist today. But that wasn't the case with David. David started out as a shepherd boy. David started out as the youngest of his family. He would deliver food to the battle lines. When Israel's armies were off to war, he was defending sheep from bears and lions. He was running the grocery cart from his house to his brothers on the front line. This kid was a nobody. 
And yet God chose nobody to be somebody for his people. He kept going. He kept living. Maybe you know the story of David and Goliath when a small shepherd boy defeated a nine-foot giant with a stone and a sling. He played the harp for the king. He was anointed while there was still a king on the throne to be the next king. And this boy from humble beginnings grew into be the most influential king in the history of Israel. But he wasn't perfect. He was a murderer and an adulterer. He was an abuser. His own family split in two. I'm, I'm struggling in my own life right now, raising children. And maybe if you have children, you know why I'm bald. Um, and, and yet, even so, with all of my struggles and with all of your struggles and all that you've taught me, like, my son has not yet tried to murder me. That's what happened with David. David's oldest son tried to kill him so he could take the throne. And we're worried about how last week went for Thanksgiving. But this is the real life. This is the the real lineage, the real chronology, the real activity of the family of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. David the king who the Bible would say is a man after God's own heart. So if David can be a man after God's own heart, as evil as he is, I think we've got a pretty good chance too. Because what does it require? It requires a heart of confession. It requires an acknowledging that I need Jesus because I'm not Jesus. We didn't make it through the week this week without yelling and screaming in the Schuler household. We're not going to make it through next week either. We might not. We're going bowling this afternoon. We might not make it through the afternoon. Just roll the ball. Just roll the ball. Please, please, my voice is gone. Like, can you tell my voice is a little raspy this morning? That's because I yelled a lot. I'm not a smoker. I confess my sins. I kneel before God because I need forgiveness, and you do too. None of you are perfect parents. You haven't been. You've tried really hard, but you've failed every time. And I know none of you are perfect children because I'm not either. We each, one of us, struggle just to, just to survive in our own families. And you look at Jesus' family and you're like, oh, thank goodness, I know where I come from. It's built into me. And yet Jesus is different because Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. He's a different kind of king. He's the compassionate king. He's the promised king. He's the gracious and merciful king that does not raise his voice the seventh time you've done the same thing. He keeps 
loving you. Jesus' voice is never raspy and broken. It is always true for you. You know, Jesus isn't the kind of king that, that comes and sits on a throne and makes demands of his people. He's the kind of king that comes and meets the demands for his people. Jesus, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, in the middle of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount that we're studying on Wednesday mornings at Java and Jesus, he says, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is true. So how are you doing? How am I doing? I mean, we, we need Jesus because he's the one who makes the demands and meets the demands and invites us to live with his results. You know, the Jews, the Jews had hoped for a Messiah to defeat their enemies. When Jesus was born nearly more than 2,000 years ago, he was born into a, a stable. He was not born into a royal family. He was not born a prince with a crown and a diadem on his head. A diadem is another word for crown that I know you English-loving people would know. (laughs) Right? He was born the son of a carpenter, a tradesman. He was the wrong kind of king. He called the wrong kind of people. He went to the wrong kinds of places. He preached the wrong message. According to all of the leaders of the day, he carried out the wrong mission. And he offered the wrong kind of redemption. And this is why the religious leaders of the day killed him. Because he was not their kind of king. Jesus' kingdom, he would declare, is not of this world. It's different than anything we've ever seen. Jesus' kingdom is not about excluding anyone, but about saving everyone. Matthew's genealogy, Matthew's family history of Jesus shows us a preview of his gospel. That it's inclusive of you and me because it's inclusive of outcasts and exiles and sinners and broken people. When they went to kill Jesus, they mocked him on the cross saying, you're the king of the Jews, save yourself and then we'll believe in you. But in order to save you and me, he couldn't save himself. He had to sacrifice himself. And that's the kind of king we have in Jesus. Some men, some women leave legacies when they die. You know them because their names echo throughout history and they make movies about them. And and you're excited when something new comes out. But Jesus didn't just leave a legacy. He changed lives. Paul preaches about Jesus in Acts 13 and his connection to King David. He said, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. 
But Jesus, whom God raised up, did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, that through this man, the forgiveness of sins is given to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which they could not be freed by the law of Moses. God's law exists. It is heavy. We cannot lift it. It declares to you and me, we are sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus declares to you and me, I am your Savior. The very end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, seven letters get written to the churches. Jesus speaks words to his churches, to his people. And he says in the letters, let he who has ears hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's the same thing he would say when he tells a parable. Let he who has ears hear. And, and I want you and me to hear what Jesus says to the seventh church in Revelation chapter 3. To the church in Laodicea. He says, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. And he's describing not the church in America, but the church in Laodicea. But is he also describing us? For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Pitiable. For the people today who, who need nothing, who have everything, Jesus pities them. He still has love for them. He still has mercy for them. He would go on to say, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And then he says this to you and me and anyone who has ears to hear. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. King Jesus, the savior of the world, does not take power and authority upon himself to keep it for himself, but he gives it to you and to me. He invites you and me to sit on his throne with him. A king has authority, but Jesus didn't claim his until he died and rose from the dead. And he told all who believe, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the most important part, behold, Jesus says, I am with you always 
to the very end of the age. I am with you when you're yelling at your kids, when you're being yelled at by your parents. I'm with you when you're breaking down and crying and you've got no strength left. I'm with you because you need me to be with you. And he will never, ever leave you. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of David the king. And he rules and he reigns to give you life and love. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for King Jesus who descends from his throne, who gives up all of the glory to live and to die for us. And that by raising him from the dead, you've declared us to be innocent, to be loved. Lord, help us, help us to recognize and to see all that he has done for us. Thank you for King Jesus. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.